So let's pray. Jesus, we sit here this night, 2,000 years later, from that faithful night, from that day that you went to the cross, when it seems like all had been lost, that death had won, that the powers had defeated you. Lord, speak to us, Lord, we pray, about what it looks like to follow in your footsteps, to understand the sacrifice on the cross, and what it might look like for each of us to practice a spiritual discipline of sacrifice. Show us, Lord, how to walk like you, how to live like you, how to serve like you how to lay our life down for others, for the glory of the kingdom. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So 40 days ago or so, we started a journey through Lent, and we've been looking at a series of spiritual disciplines and practicing them and seeing how they can shape and form us into the way and likeness of Jesus in the kingdom of God. We started on Ash Wednesday, and we looked at the spiritual discipline of confession. We looked at fasting, simplicity, prayer, meditation, mutual submission, fellowship, and service. And so we're here tonight at the ending of the season of Lent, which I had to look it up, and it actually ended last night on Monday, Thursday. But here we are standing on a night that we call Good Friday, a night in which um, you didn't think you would get through an Easter season without hearing about N.T. Wright's quote. Um, he wrote a book, and he said, this was the day that the revolution began. A day in which by 6 p.m. that night, the world was much different place because of the crucifixion of Jesus. And so... In this Easter weekend, we have two more spiritual disciplines to unpack. Three days from now, and you're like, wait, Saturday, Sunday? No, in the Hebraic way, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Three days from now, we will explore, practice, and participate in the spiritual discipline of celebration. Probably one of my favorite spiritual disciplines to practice. Celebrating that that the resurrection of Jesus, the defeating the powers of sin, death, evil, and hell, and that he went through death and came out the other side. But, whoa, 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 wait. We're getting ahead of ourselves. We're not there. Tonight is Good Friday. We focus not on celebration, not on the resurrection, not on the powers, not on the defeat of the powers of sin, death, evil, and the devil. No, tonight we focus on the cross. The crucifixion of Jesus. What seems to be, at least from our perspective and their perspective on that day, the triumphal powers over, the victory over Jesus. Death had won, seemingly. That violence had killed the author of life. 
And so tonight, Good Friday, we explore the spiritual practice of sacrifice. Now, most of us probably don't like that word. It's infringing on our life, and and it makes us do things we don't necessarily want to do. But it's really interesting when you think about sacrifice it is all throughout our culture. In fact, when Terry was here a couple weeks ago, in the beginning of his message, he said the, the theme of sacrifice is all throughout like movies. And then we were like, what movies? And we started throwing out um, some movies. The Lord of the Rings, The Matrix, Superman, Avengers Endgame, Armageddon, and you can, I'm sure, fill in a lot of other ones. But sacrifice is a discipline. It challenges us. It confronts our selfishness. It goes directly against our flesh and our desire for self-protection, for self-preservation. The word sacrifice actually comes from the word, from the Latin root, sacar, which means sacred or holy, and frasar, which means to make, and I probably destroyed that, those words. So sacrifice means to make holy and that when we sacrifice something in a way we become more holy when we practice this discipline of sacrifice when i looked it up i found this idea that we deliberately forsake the safety and security and satisfying our own needs by our own power our own resources in the hope and the faith that god will sustain and take care of us we sacrifice our needs and wants for the comfort and the sake and the betterment of others. It's this idea that we sacrifice for others. We put them before our own, their needs before our needs. In fact, and probably I would say I'm not alone, the two biggest spiritual disciplines that we've looked at that confront and challenge me the most are submission and sacrifice. I don't want to submit to others. I don't want to submit to God. And I don't want to sacrifice for you or for, or for God. They are intrinsically connected. And so we have to, if we're going to sacrifice, we have to submit to Jesus and his rule and reign in our life. We have to submit to him, to his kingship, his lordship. And then scripture says we have to submit to each other and submit our hearts and our feelings and our entire lives, not just part of ourselves, to Jesus, but the whole self. So that we gain his heart and his love for those around us, so then we would willingly sacrifice our time, our talents, our finances, our schedule. We would sacrifice them for others, to put others before ourselves, and to be able to kill this need for self-preservation. And put our entire selves in the hands of God. But what does this look like? What is sacrifice when practice? What does it look like when the rubber meets the road? What does it look like to practice in our everyday life? Well, I think there's three things. One, personal sacrifice. Do we trust God or do we trust ourselves, someone or something else? 
It's where we give up the urge of self-preservation and entreat, indeed, and instead trust God that he will care for us. He will provide for us. Then there's relational sacrifice. And that's where we give up the impulse to control or fix relationships according to what we want. But instead, God's standards. And lastly, many of us probably have already gone there, the material sacrifice. Where we give up our things, comforts, advantages for the betterment of others. In fact, you might have heard this phrase, I live simply so that others may simply live. That's what sacrifice materially looks like. But if we want to develop this, if we want to live a sacrificial existence and life, we must wrestle a couple things to the ground. First, the idea that we have to clear up the idea of ownership. My car, my house, my money, my time, my, my, mine. They are not yours. They are fundamentally given to you by God for you to, own, to, you to steward them. They are in your hands to care for them. And on his behalf. Secondly, if we're going to put this spiritual, of sac, spiritual discipline of sacrifice into practice, we need to examine what makes you feel secure. How much money do you have in your bank account to feel really secure? How much stuff do you need? How much insurance is enough to make you feel really secure? What do you put your hope and trust ultimately in? Secondly, we need to look beyond our stuff. In fact, stuff becomes an idol. We need more things. We, need, they, we can't even imagine life without And when someone touches that point of your life, you get angry and upset, and you realize that's an idol. Fourth, we need to do our homework. How are we doing in sacrifice, in living simply, in sacrificing time in order to engage with people? But lastly, and probably most important, and especially as we are standing here tonight, is the idea that we need to remember the ultimate sacrifice. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, a Roman instrument of torture and death. God sending Jesus into the world and being put to death by his very own creation. When it comes to this discipline, I think of a quote that Dallas Willard says, and I think it puts it really perfectly. Dallas Willard says, it is total abandonment to God. Sacrifices. A stepping into the darkened abyss in faith and hope that God will bear us up. When I hear that quote, my mind immediately is taken back to the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus praying in the garden, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not I will, but as you will. He totally abandoned himself to the father's plan. He steps into the darkened abyss of death itself. We've been talking about being formed and shaped in the image and likeness of Jesus and the way of the kingdom. And there's probably no more other spiritual discipline more closely associated with the character and mission of who Jesus is than sacrifice. 
And I don't just mean by the way he died on the cross. His whole life was a life of sacrifice. He practiced this discipline everywhere, all the time. If we are to call ourselves followers of Jesus, to live like he did, love like he lived, walk like he lived, serve like he did, he called us to this. He says, take up your cross and follow me. Take up an instrument of sacrifice. Meaning that if Jesus did it, we follow suit. And no, that doesn't literally mean get up on the cross. One of the, but one of the most significant ways that Jesus practiced this discipline is on his death on the cross. 1 John 2.2 2. He is atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. 1 John, what does he mean? Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. You can understand words if you break them into little bits, right? Atonement, at one meant, to be at one with. Jesus' death on the cross, the things that kept us apart, our sin and brokenness, that divides us, keeps us from relationship, has been dealt with by Jesus on the cross. Because out of the cross, we are at one with Jesus. That we are reconciled to God through the sacrifice of Jesus. That we are reconciled to ourselves through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. We are reconciled to each other because of the cross. And we are reconciled to all of creation because of Jesus' sacrifice. And that this blood shed on the cross isn't just an individual forgiveness. I think in our Western world, we so often get caught in that what it is. It's about the individual. But here Jesus says, no. The, the writer of John says, no, it's for the sins of all the people, the whole entire world. Though at one minute, the being at one is free and available to all people. His death on the cross has the power to set us free from the powers and the principalities of this dark world. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for our sins and the sins of the world can't be neatly wrapped into a formula. This is perfectly fits it. It doesn't work. It's not a mathematical formula. The cross is not math. A equals B equals forgiveness. It's not. In the end, Jesus' death on the cross, how he sets us free from the powers of sin, death, and evil, is really a mystery. We want to figure out how does it work? How does blood equal forgiveness? It doesn't make sense mathematically. It's a mystery. At the same time, the cross is a multifaceted reality. One of my favorite authors, Brian Zond, says this about the cross. He says this is many things. He said, it's the pinnacle of God's self-disclosure. It's divine solidarity with all human suffering. It's the shaming of the principalities and powers. It's the point from which Satan is driven out of the world. It's the death by which Christ conquers death. It's the abolition of war and violence. It's the supreme demonstration of the love of God. It's the refounding of the world around an axis of love. It's the enduring model of co-suffering love we are to follow. It's the eternal moment in which the sin of the world is forgiven. But then he continues. 
The cross is not the appeasement of an angry and retributive God. The cross is not where Jesus saves us from God, but where Jesus reveals God as Savior. The cross is not what God inflicts upon Jesus in order to forgive, but what God in Christ endures as he forgives. The cross is where the sin of the world coalesced into a hideous singularity so that it might be forgiven in mass. The cross is where the world violently sinned its sins into the body of the Son of God and where he absorbed it all, praying, Father, forgive them. The cross is both ugly and beautiful. It's as ugly as human sin and as beautiful as divine love. But in the end, love and beauty win. And so we stand here tonight. We gaze up upon this figure on the cross. We stand with the women at the base of the cross. Seeing and realizing the love pouring out from every pore of Jesus' body. Realizing that the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross is on our heads and our hands. That if we look at our hands, we realize that we're the ones holding the hammer. We're the ones holding the nail. And because of the cross, we can be at one with Jesus. We can be at one with ourselves. We can be at one with each other. And we can be at one with the creation itself. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, because of being at one, Jesus then says to be formed into and shaped into his image and likeness and live out this kingdom, to walk as he walked, to serve as he served, to live as he lived, to love as he loved, and to sacrifice as he sacrificed. Let's pray. Jesus, we don't truly comprehend the cross. We are grateful. We are humbled. We are in awe. But we don't understand. We can't comprehend the amount of love that you have for all people. That you died to set it all right. To defeat the powers of sin and death. But as we stand here, as we sit here tonight, we are grateful. We are humbled. We are in awe of your love for us, your creation, the same creation that puts you on that cross in the first place. Lord, you sacrificed, and you call us to do the same. So may your spirit, your sacrificial your kenosis, your self-giving, self-sacrificial life. May that spirit live within us so that we can live a sacrificial existence for the betterment of this world and the people that you put in our lives. We pray in your name.